Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Now we are going to continue on our study. Remember, this is what we are dealing with at the moment. We are looking at the story of the Bible, and this is our picture. And at the moment, we are in the beginning. So we are going to take our Bible reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 1. And we are going to read from verse 26, Genesis chapter 1, from verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, and after our own likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Verse 28. And God blessed them. We'll stop there. Let's read Genesis chapter 2, a couple of verses from Genesis chapter 2. Verse 7 and 8, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. Verse 21, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead, and the rib which the Lord God has taken from the man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. When God created man, man differed significantly, markedly from every other living thing. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to go through the list of this different way in which God created man, and I'm going to come back and look at the implication of each one of them. So the first thing we saw is that a divine conference preceded the forming of man, and we've read that. Number two, man's creation was unique in that God formed his body from the earth, from the dust, and then God breathed into him the breath of life. So that was different from the way God has created all the other animals. God just said, let there be, and there was. Let this one bring it forth, and there was. But in the, in the case of man, God formed his body, and God breathed into him the breath of life. Number three, the sexes of man, the gender of man, were not created simultaneously. Unlike before, when God said, let there be animal, both sexes came out. But when God created man, the sexes, the gender were not created simultaneously as it was when God created animals. Rather, God created Adam and the woman was then built from the section of Adam's flesh and bone. We have read that now in our Bible reading. Okay, number four, unlike animals, mankind was not broken down into species. You know, when God said, according to their kind, according to their kind, 
all kinds of but instead man was designated by sexuality god created them male and female okay it's not according to kind like we see when god created plants and when god created other animals that's number four number five which is the final point is that the test in genesis chapter one explicitly states that mankind alone was created in the image of god so these are the five processes that god took during the creation of man and woman which was markedly different from the way god created the animal so what i'm going to do now is to go through all these five stages and take process i mean and take them one by one and see what are the implications because they have great implication i perceive that i'm not going to be able to go through all the five today so we are just going to go through probably two of them and then come back and take the rest okay so the first thing is that there was a divine conference when it was time for god to create man there was a divine conference that preceded the creation of man genesis chapter 1 verse 26 god said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping things that creepeth upon the earth so god created man in his own image and in the image of god created in him male and female created in them and god blessed them in previous creation what god does is that he spoke either directly to say you be and that things become or god speaks to something that was already created to bring something else out and that was done and that is what has happened up until the creation of man but now god spoke to himself god said let us make man in our own image and after and our own likeness when god said let us make man that brings some implication number one it revealed to us the importance the preeminent importance of what god was about to do number one number two he set it before himself as a thing to be undertaken with deliberate purpose and number three and this is very important this intimates that this new being in his higher nature is associated not so much with the animals that god has created before but much more with the internal uncreated himself and this is very very important when god said let us create man in our own image after our own likeness who was God talking to? Up till now, God, where the word of the king is, there was power. God was saying, let there be, let there be. With whom did God take counsel in the creation of man? Does he here simply use the plural form of majesty? You know, sometimes you can write something and say, we. But is that what is happening here? Was God just simply here using the plural of majesty? No. Such was not the usual style in the monarch in the ancient East. And we have no scriptural or biblical ground for transferring it to the style of the heavenly king. We have no scriptural or biblical reason to believe that that is what God was doing here. There was a divine counsel here that was taking place. God was in counsel in the creation of man. Was it with certain other intelligent being in existence before man that God took counsel? No. No, it's not with any other intelligent being. Why do we know that? Because the expression, let us make man, is an invitation to create. So God said, let us make man in our own image. So God must have been talking to another being or being who can create like him. Because he said, let us create man 
in our own image and after our own likeness and creation the power to create is an incommunicable attribute of the eternal God himself so God couldn't have been speaking to other intelligent beings in existence before the creation of man the phrase or the phrases our image and our likeness when transferred into the third person narrative become the image of God. So man was created in the image of God. God said, let us create man in our image. And man was created in the image of God. That means whoever God was speaking to, God, God said, in our image. And after our likeness. And man was created in the image of God. So whoever God was speaking to must be God. <laughs> so that limits that to God himself. God was speaking to himself only a plurality of the persons can justify the, the phrase hence we have we conclude that the plural pronoun indicate a plurality plurality of the person in the divine being i mean we have come across that isn't it when we read genesis chapter 1 verse 1 when in the beginning elohim remember what we said when we talk about trinity in the beginning elohim and we said the word there elohim was actually a plural now it's almost like saying in the beginning gods okay and we talk about trinity okay in the beginning elohim and remember what we said in deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 when israel this is one of the things that israel read regularly say here O israel the lord our god is one lord and we said that one there actually is a composite unity like you say bunch of key so there are three persons in divine unity and all the three of them are god hallelujah so in the creation of man the divine trinity took counsel and said let us create man in our own image and after our own likeness and man was created in the image of god so when god created man god took a divine conference there was a divine conference that preceded the forming of man and we, we we saw why that is important okay it shows the significance of man it shows the care and the purpose with which god created man and it shows that man shares something that god shares something of himself with man <laughs> hallelujah there was something of himself that god shared with man god breathed into him the bread of life and the Bible says that man became a living soul. Now, the second thing we said in the creation of man is that we said man was created unique. God formed his body from the dust and God breathed into him the bread of life. I mean, I, I was beginning to talk about this second one anyway. So let's read again Genesis chapter 2. Let's read verse 7. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nursery the breath of life and man became a living soul man became a living soul now this is very very important like i said in talking about the first point i started talking about this second point man's creation was unique there was a divine conference there was a there was a there was there's a divine council the trinity and there was a conference within the trinity and said let's do this and then the creation of man was unique. The first thing is that God formed his body out of the dust. And then God breathed life into him. Remember what we said in number one. When God said, let us make man. This intimates that the new being 
has a higher nature there's a nature in him that associated him with god himself there was something of god that came into him and that is what we see here in the creation of man in this in this place that we read okay let's read ephesians let's read ephesians in fact i'm going to read some couple of scripture to to buttress what we are going to say because i want us to see some very important thing here let's read ephesians chapter 3 ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 that it will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that christ may dwell in your heart by faith second corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 for which cause we faint not but though our outward man perish yet the inward man is renewed day by day first peter chapter 3 verse 3 whose adorning let it be the eden man of the earth first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 and the very god of peace sanctify you wholly and i pray god your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our lord jesus christ hallelujah now i've read four portion of the scripture and each one of these is telling us something about what is a man second ephesians chapter 3 verse 6 talk about the inner man that the holy spirit will strengthen you with i mean that god will strengthen you with might by his spirit in the inner man that christ may dwell in your heart so there is an inner man and second corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 explain it further he said for which cause we faint not though our outward man perished yet the inward man the inward woman is renewed day by day so there is an outward man what you are seeing my body my eyes my ears my nose this is the outward man there is an inward man the god formed the outward man from the dust the body our body you are not your body our body was formed from the dust and when we die the dust will return to dust that is the outward man what people can see what people can touch that is the outward man the bible talks about the outward man the outward woman and the bible talks about the inward man the inward woman first peter chapter 3 verse verse 3 call it what the hidden man of the earth i mean he was talking about woman there so when we say man we're talking about being okay he was talking about women there and he said don't let your adorning be that of externality but let it be the adorning of the uh, let it be that of the hidden man of the earth so the outward man the inward man the inward man is called the inner man the inward man is called the hidden man hallelujah and then first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 then tells us the three different parts of man but actually when you read the scripture even though the first thessalonians said spirit soul and body you will see that the scripture usually will not separate the soul from the spirit okay yet it is spirit soul and body and when you read hebrews chapter 4 it tells us how difficult it is and that the soul of a man and the spirit of a man will never be separated through eternity and hebrews chapter 4 i believe it's verse 16 i believe when you read verses 12 to 16 tells us that it takes the word of god to be able to tell you the difference between the soul and the spirit okay and that tells us the different part of man the body the soul the spirit so it is important we are looking at the uniqueness that man's creation was unique you know 
number one tells us that when God was going to create this unique creation, God took cancer. There was there was a divine counsel. There was a divine counsel that took place where God actually said, let us create man. And number two, we're beginning to see that the creation of man was unique. The real man, the real you, is a living soul. God formed the body from the dust. God breathed into him. <laughs> From his body from the dust, God breathed into him the breath of life. Something came out of God. And that thing that came out of God, the Bible called it a living soul. A living soul came out of God into this dust. And the dust was changed by the power of life in this soul. In this living soul. We live on earth as souls, not as disembodied spirits. We need to understand that we are living soul. That is the way we live on earth. We live as living soul, not as disembodied spirit. Our soul is the seat of our consciousness. Our soul is the seat of our decision making. Our soul is where we have the consciousness of self. It is your soul that gives you the consciousness of self, that I am me. And it is in your soul that we, that is the seat of our decision making. So God created man. He formed the body of man. Hallelujah. And then something came out of God into this man. And the body became alive because there was a living soul. So, so it is very, very important for us to understand that today. That you are a living soul. The soul of man. And I'm going to round up today knocking this on the air. You need to understand that the soul is made out of spiritual material. The soul of a man is not made out of physical material. The soul of a man came out of spiritual material. Came out of God. God breathed into man. Listen to me. You are not that body. You are not that body. Okay, we can paint it, we can bath it, we can comb it, we can perfume it, we can dress it. We need to do that because our cloth is, I mean, our body is like a cloth, it's our vehicle. Yes, we need to keep it healthy. But understand that even much more of much more importance is the soul that is in that shell. Because when you step out of this body, that body, this shell that you are seeing will fall down. And that's what we call death. Essentially, death is when the soul, the living soul, the soul in that body, when it comes out of that body and the body falls off. We need to understand that, that the soul of a man is made of spiritual material because that soul came out of God. Out of the bread of God. So when we talk about a living soul, a living soul is a soul with a living spirit. <laughs> Remember what I said. At no point in time will your soul be separate from your spirit. Remember what I said. We are living soul. On this earth we are living soul. Our soul our, our soul is actually the, the seat of our consciousness. You are conscious of being self in your soul. And it's the seat of your decision making. And that is why it is the soul that sings. And I'm going to read that in a second. Because that is the seat of your decision making. That is the seat of my decision making. It is in my soul I decide to disobey or I decide to obey. It is in my soul that I make decisions that will influence my life and the life of other people. It's in the soul that that decision is made. The living soul is a soul with a living spirit. Whereas a dead soul is a soul with a dead spirit. No, a dead soul doesn't mean that the soul will fall down. No, a soul will never die. 
No, you know, it's just like a car. A car that has a knock spirit. The car is still there. <laughs> That's a dead soul. Okay? And we're going to see what happened. Remember when God created man. He created him a living soul. It's a living soul. That means a soul can be dead. And we're going to see what happened. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And that is why the Bible talks about being a soul winner. You know, the Bible says a lot about soul. Because we are living soul. We are spirit. But on this earth, your con- the where you have your consciousness is in your soul. Let me read a couple of scriptures. Let me put a couple of scriptures on the screen and then we'll round up. Maybe we'll pick up this next time by the grace of God. Let me read a couple of scriptures for us. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 30 says that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth soul is wise. Ezekiel 18, behold all souls are mine. As the soul of the father, so also is the soul of the son, is mine. The soul that sinned, it shall die. The soul that sinned, it shall die. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37. For what shall he profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world, and what? And lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange of his soul? You can see what is going on here. That when people get born again, we call it winning their soul because it is the soul that sin. It is the sin of the soul. It's our sin, the sin of the soul that caused the, 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 the spirit to die, snuffed out. And the death, when we say when we say the spirit died, when we say the soul died, what are we saying? It is cut away from the source because the Bible says the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. That is where what is connected with God. So an unbeliever is a soul. That is dead. Why? Because that soul is disconnected from the source of life. The heart of that soul, the spirit of that soul, the engine of that soul is disconnected from God, the source of life. And that soul is dead. Just like I have a lot of light in front of me now. The bulb is alive. Why is the bulb alive? Because the bulb is connected to the light source. If I unplug it, the bulb is still there. But the bulb is dead. Because there is no life. So... That is what happened when sin came into the, into, into the soul of man. And we're going to come to that in another teaching. The Bible says the soul that sin. Why can the soul sin? Because the soul is the seat of our consciousness. And the soul is the seat of our decision making. And Mark chapter 8 says that. What shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world. And shall lose his own soul or what shall a man give in exchange of his soul there's something majestic about about the soul of man i'm going to stop here today by the grace of god i'm going to come back we need to talk about the soul of man but remember what we said we are looking through these five five ways in which the creation of man was distinct we've seen how there was a there was a divine council where god actually have a conference within the divine council for the creation of man number two we saw that the creation of man was unique god formed his body and something came out of god himself and man became a living soul man is a living soul we're going to stop there listen to me the soul that sinned it will die all have sinned i'm falling short of the glory of god but for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life your soul and my soul will return to his maker but the thing is that you can you and i can have life now 
if we will invite Jesus Christ into our life. He that winneth soul is wife. What will you give in exchange for your soul? God has given his son so that your soul can be saved. My soul can be saved. All you have to do is to you know, admit that you are a sinner. Take responsibility for your sin and run for this, to the Savior and ask him to save you. Embrace him. Embrace him and receive the gift of salvation from him. He will come in and he will take the heart, the engine that is not. It will give you a new engine, a new spirit. And your soul will come alive. You will have a connection with the electricity. Connection with God, with life. And you begin to experience the joy and the fellowship with God. And when this is all over, you will spend eternity with God in the new heaven and the new earth. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.